Just a very quick thing before we get started. If you've not yet subscribed to Some Assembly Required on your favorite podcast player, then please do. It'll help me a lot. This episode is a little different to the previous episodes I've created. I'm shifting slightly away from format and trying something new because that's what the podcast needs to be, a creative outlet and opportunities to try something new, like interviewing your wife. Never done that before. Before we go too far into this, how many ways has your name been mispronounced? Including the way I mispronounced it myself when I was small. I've never heard that story. Well, you know how my mom calls me Hanksa? Yes. Because apparently that's what I came up with. And I couldn't say Rwanda, so I just started calling myself Hanksa when I was small. Okay. So there's Hanksa and then Rwanda that I get quite often still all the time. I've heard someone call you Rueda. Yes, that too. They like putting the W in there somewhere. Is that is that it? Those are only mispronunciations? I mean, if they call you badass bitch, is that a mispronunciation? Or? <laughs> it's more like an accurate title. <laughs> what um, motivated you to, to be a mom, to be a mother? Was there a... <laughs> How much of this are you editing? <laughs> Okay, let me try and rephrase that question then. <laughs> Not every girl wants to be a mom. Did you always want to be a mom? So I'm an only child and I didn't really have a lot of experience with small children when I was growing up. Um, most of my cousins were older and then the ones that were younger were quite close in age. And... I think I went through most of my childhood adolescence not necessarily thinking about motherhood. And I have this very vivid memory. Has it been late high school, maybe early varsity, visiting my parents at home and family friends coming to visit? And they had a little blonde girl. She was probably about three or four at the time. And I, as a young adolescent, hadn't engaged with the little tyke. And just after dinner, she decided of all the grown-ups in the space, she wanted to sit on my lap. And she crawled up onto my lap and just rested her head on my chest and fell asleep. And I just, in that moment, knew I wanted to be a mom. I think I'd never felt that urge to nurture and wrap myself around another little body before. So, yeah, that's, I guess that's when the biological clock started ticking. Okay, so you've mentioned there the word nurture. I wanted to know what feeling does the word mother elicit for you? Understanding that the words mother, mom, ma, mama, Afrikaans for mother, might elicit different feelings. The word mother specifically? M mother feels like a verb. To me, mother is a, a doing word. It's not something that I associate with my mom or your mom. Like it's um, not a term of endearment. It's it's an action word. It's you mother something, someone. <laughs> and mom? I also don't really have a strong, I mean, I don't know. I have a mama and your mom is, is mom. So does the word mama elicit a feeling at all? Yeah. Mama is, 
is my mom. It's it's soft. It's synthetic blue. What do you call that? Like weird material that winter pajamas is made of. I'm not sure exactly which one you're talking about. Can you describe it? It's, it kind of feels like it's the kind of stuff that makes you f- always feel sweaty. Um, but I just I think I remember of my earliest memories of my mom being in her arms in our pajamas and the smell of coffee on her breath and this little butterfly um, necklace that she would wear. And I think in that sense, mama is, is safe. It's being embraced. It's gentle and selfless. I guess then if that's your framing that's then how you expected to be as a mother yeah look i think my mom set the bar quite high in terms of mothering um obviously but i don't know i assume it's a bit easier to do when you only have one and like all the attention goes there and you get to celebrate your birthday for a, a week and you know they're individually small wrapped christmas presents that you start to open 12 days before christmas because apparently you have Absolutely no self-control. Oh, man. Um, Yes. I think the image, what I want to be able to say about myself as a mother is, yeah, I don't know, creating a safe space for someone, nurturing, like growing and protecting and encouraging. I remember my mom saying... Almost every single day when she dropped me off at high school, go get them, Tiger. And she'll still say it to me now. She knows I have a performance review happening or uh, some other conversation at work that I'm nervous about. She'll message me and say, go get them, Tiger. And it still makes me feel secure. I think for me, mothering is that it's really selfless. It's not... It's not about you being the nurturer. It's it's about what you are nurturing. And that doesn't mean it's it's easy and it doesn't mean that you just give in to demands and you're not a pushover, but you're talking a lot about your memories as a as a youngster and sharing those in your mom's arms or being around your mom and maybe that sort of framing your understanding of what it would be like to be a mom. What is it like being a mom now that you are one? Do your guests swear on your podcast? Yes, my guests do swear. Being a mom is hard. Um, I guess being a mom the way I want to be a mom is hard. It's, I mean, you know, I've spent a lot of time in therapy trying to wrap my mind around the fact that things are both and. So... It is hard because it is time-consuming. It is hard because you don't always get to do the thing you want to do when you want to do it, or ever, or ever, <laughs> like, like sleeping in for seven days straight. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard because you live in two places. You live in your own body, which you would gladly sacrifice if it meant any wellness or protection for this other little body that is 
by its very nature, this kind of a weird extension of your own physiology, but you have no control over it. So it's, it's hard in that sense. And then it's easy in, in that it just happens. And it, it's not something that I think about doing. Um, I only think how hard it is when I go to bed and I'm really tired or the alarm goes off and I'm really tired. And I'm like, oh, I have to do this again. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just in many ways, it feels like the thing, the most natural thing I've ever done with my life. Mm. I, um, I remember early in our marriage, we spoke about having more than one child. And from time to time, we revisit that conversation each time with a refreshed perspective. <laughs> Is it normally after we've had finance meetings? <laughs> and so things I haven't really grappled with or that I can never really fully understand because it, it can't happen to me. But I do want to know from your perspective, what is being pregnant feel like physically, uh, emotionally and mentally? And you did it seven years ago now. So standout moments. Well, I mean, you'll have to correct me here because when I think back on being pregnant, I just – I have these magical memories and I would do it again in a heartbeat, the pregnancy aspect. And let's not talk about the responsibility and the price tag that comes for the 18-plus years thereafter. 100%. But I really – I enjoyed being pregnant. That's my memory of it. Um I remember we were on our baby moon or something when I think I I felt her move for the first time and it felt like these little bubbles in my tummy. And yeah, I mean, even the, the, the bits when I was very pregnant and uncomfortable, there was still something so magical about feeling her move inside me. And I miss that. I miss that. I don't know, being so close, so close to another life. And I mean, I've, afterwards, and maybe especially now, I, I guess now that we've made the decision that we won't do it in that way again. Um, By that way, she means for pregnant. Yeah, we won't have a biological child yes. again. So now, now that I have a bit of distance from it and it's not top of mind, I feel like I can't I can't believe my body did that and kept another human being alive for 41 weeks and and it feels it feels quite impressive and in many ways maybe now starting to think about that and I never got my pre-pregnancy body back the way I thought I would, but also then I was like, but I never really tried. But anyway, but I think I'm starting to soften towards myself in that sense and realizing that, you know, like my body created life. That's quite cool. I don't have to be so hard on the <laughs> the knocks and the scars. It it. Took. Long-time listeners of this podcast know that our daughter has uh, a complicated medical history. How do you prefer to tell strangers about Zoe? Hmm. I don't have a single 
best way or sound bite. And I find that I typically try and gauge where the person is at and why they're asking before I answer. How do you do that? Well, if you're a stranger in the supermarket and I'm kind of huffy because I'm in the supermarket in the first place, I'm probably not going to engage with you deeply. Right. Um, and I guess sometimes when you get the like, ach, shame, what's wrong with her vibe from someone, then I kind of go into tiger mom slash she's fine, what's wrong with you vibe. I think I like using the term medically complicated, maybe because it it's it's very true of Zoe. And I think we've only figured this out really once we were knee deep into the special needs community, but it's so, it's so nuanced and it's so niched. And so when you say something like special needs, it doesn't really say anything. So yes, she has special needs, but those needs make it medically complicated. It means there are medications involved. It means there are doctor's visits involved and hospitalizations and, and it's not just a developmental thing or she's got some other device that explains it all. I find myself not saying much unless I feel, I don't know, at this stage I'm tired. So I don't, I think I was in an activist phase for a long time where I was very particular about the soundbite and um, optimistic and felt like I, with every conversation I need to uh, shape how people see Zoe and it was part of my responsibility and I don't know if I've mellowed out or I'm just tired or it's a different phase now I might go back to punching people in the face in the shopping market yeah in the shopping. I never did that though physically physically <laughs> my in my head I did that quite often I think right now I just I I say things like it's been a different journey to what we had originally expected and she's our biggest teacher I suppose I want to come back to that what we had expected idea in just a bit Zoe was born in January of 2016 and at the time of recording today is the 9th of May 2023 so 7 years can you find a word to describe each year of motherhood? That's Nova. Let's <laughs> shake oh. it off, my girl. 2016, Zoe is born. Gut wrenching. 2017? Chaotic. 2018? Optimistic. 2019? Scared shitless. COVID. So I don't know. Yeah, I suppose 2020 was more the like scared shitless pandemic mm -hmm. burnout. Yeah, 2020, I would say, is, is burnout. Mm -hmm. 21? Fucking shit show. 20. Despair, despair. 20. Absolute, absolute, total despair. 22? Cautiously optimistic, unreal, miracle vibes. One word you said. Yes. Hyphenate them, okay. then it's one word. And 23 then? We're five months in. Normal. Wow. Quite a journey when you look at it like that, hey? From gut-wrenching through to despair and ultimately now normal. 
your concept of being a mom prior to being a mom, how does that compare then to now being a mom seven years in? So I would say seven years in, in many ways, it is what I thought it would be, maybe without completely understanding the extent of self-sacrifice and what it means to mother and nurture another person. But it, it is. It, it is selfless. It is kissing, lots of kissing. And it's, it's doing whatever you need to do to take care of this little body, whether it's wiping or dressing or feeding or carrying or consoling. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's, it's kind of mellowed out into this constant presence of being there for someone where <clears throat> I was thinking about it the other day that what's sad for me is for, uh, for many reasons, I don't think I really enjoyed the first bit of mothering, um, maybe because it was so stressful and we had all of these medical challenges to deal with. But I think for the, for the longest part, I thought I was doing all of it wrong or not well enough. So I think there's definitely this, this period in time during pregnancy maybe and when you start getting all the little clothes and you have these lofty conversations about, oh, no, I won't use uh, medication. We are going to go the, the natural route or, yes, these are my washable, reusable nappies. Thank you very much with poppers. Um, and, yes, I will breastfeed and I will make these little organically grown foods for this tiny little human mm. you know so i think i had these these expectations that there were lots of external things that i would do or should be doing and that would make me a good mother and make it look effortless or nice i don't, I don't have an instagram experience of motherhood so and you know you're so sleep deprived and you're just not not at all the person you think you should be and you lose your shit and you you scream and you cry and then you feel bad for doing that because that's scarring and traumatizing and at some point the kid's going to have to go to a therapist to talk about the fact that you didn't have your rage under control or you weep at the dishwasher and I think it took me a long time to realize that that's not really what mothering is. It's the... It's the showing up all the time. I mean, even now, I I still have to push against feelings of guilt because I spend so little time with Zoe, and to just accept that I am I'm constant, and I'm there, and right now I am putting I'm mothering by financial provision and making sure that. There are other things and amazing people in place that look after her when I'm not there. And that's also mothering because it, I mean, if I, if I could, I would just stay home all day. But that's not what I'm being asked to do right now to mother Zoe. So what was your question? I, I was going to ask you how you would describe being a mother now. And I think you've, you've already done that. So I don't have to ask the question. I do want to ask, though, which aspects or maybe what aspect of motherhood do you wish you could spend more time doing? Undivided attention. I, I mean, it is, it's difficult 
to balance all the asks on my time. And I think coming home after a long, busy day, uh, switching that part of my brain off and, and in doing so, shutting out demands of other people and deadlines and things that really don't matter so that I actually enjoy being with Zoe because it does require a completely different part of me to be on. And and I do find that challenging at the moment because yeah, fatigue and then dropping into the present, which is glorious but also difficult. And I was just thinking, I mean, for the first time in a long time, we've gone away for more than two nights with Zoe and she was so healthy and we were in this beautiful space and I really felt relaxed for the first time in a long time. And it's surprised me how much easier it is to have patience with the small things like getting dressed or feeding or even prepping her meals when the rest of the world has stayed out of my head for a prolonged period of time. And then I get to enjoy her the small little new things she's doing. And and maybe because Zoe's development is so differently paced that you have to pay such close attention. But when you do, you notice, oh, there's a new freckle. And she's now putting these two fingers together and these two fingers and her sense of humor is developing and she's laughing at different things and she's got a different sound that she makes. And, and I don't get, I don't see those things if I don't stand still long enough with her to appreciate them. You have a fair number of girlfriends that are mothers some of them through varsity, others you've met from work or even being part of a special needs community. Do you find in conversations with one another that you're all carrying guilt for something that really isn't warranted? Because from where I'm sitting, that's what I see. I, that's a, it's a good question. I feel like I've moved away from feeling guilt and shame. But if you wake me up in the middle of the night and ask me what could you do better as a mother or more of as a mother, I have a list. I can recall it. I think that's true for a lot of my friends. I mean, we don't sit around going like, oh, you won't believe what terrible thing I did to my child or, oh, I, you know, I bought the wrong cereal again or so maybe maybe there's something in the like reaching a seven year mark of doing it where you probably just realize that there's too much things going on. You can't actually constantly feel guilty. So I don't know. Maybe it's just an awareness most of the time about where you think you might be missing the mark and or maybe the different or maybe a bit more true about it is that. I think when we do something that we know wasn't in our child's interest, so screw if you forgot the favorite cereal or you accidentally put deep heat on their tummy 
when they had a tummy ache. Shout out to my mom. <laughs> Accidentally on purpose. I've heard that story a few times. <laughs> so, you know, those things, you know, don't, they're not lasting, right? So I think you let those things go. But there is a, a different kind of guilt when you realize maybe that you missed out on a special moment with your child or you snapped at them when they really just deserved comfort and care. And yeah, that, that I think tends to sit with, with most of, of the moms I've spoken to. So on the back of that, then the mental standpoint, the mental capacity of a mom is exceptionally important. What do we do as partners or as support systems to ensure that you as mom are in your best state possible to be able to give of yourself because you're not an you're not a you're not a, a vessel that can continue to pour out well currently i'm pouring out of my eyes so <laughs> i beg to differ mm, i didn't think that question would make me emotional so i think i think sometimes being the voice of reason is what Definitely what we we seek out in other moms as well is just that voice that says it's not that bad. It doesn't matter that you got the wrong cereal. I don't know why I'm keeping on using that. I don't cereal's not a big thing. I don't have an obsession about cereal. Uh, go get him, tiger. See, there we go. Tony the tiger. I think you have talked me down many ledges, whether you were always aware of it or not. I don't know. I think moms need encouragement to know that they're doing enough. I think it is important to create time and space for any carer, whether it's a mom or a dad. If you're nurturing someone that you need to have time and space to do the thing that nurtures you. And and for me, that's often time, time alone. I, you know, growing up as an only child, I'm I need that kind of downtime where I'm not around other people. And I think you've allowed me the space to do that, whether it's just putting my earphones in and going into the garden for three hours. Some people want to go out and go shopping or, but whatever that thing is that just makes, makes you feel a little bit more whole again. Yeah. I don't know. Say nice things to us often. And, and maybe, Assume that moms are blind to what they do right mm. and what they're good at and remind them of that and tell us that we still look pretty. You do look pretty. Mm. Thank you for being on my podcast. Cool. I love you. I love you. Is there a piece of music that reminds you of your own mom? <laughs> yes, but I haven't explored whether there's any hidden meaning in terms of motherhood. And it's only because my mother, I don't, like, my dad's my musical parent. Like, one of the only songs I, for the longest time, thought my mom knew, because it's one of the only things I've ever heard her sing, is clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. <laughs> Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Which <laughs> I mean, it's probably what most mothers feel like. <laughs> <laughs> Rwanda lives with me in Cape Town. We have one child, Zoe, and two fur kids, Noxanova.
Zoe is slowly exceeding doctor's expectations for her life, thanks to Rwenda, who does so much right. If you'd like to help me continue telling stories of vulnerability with messy, perfectly weird little humans, just like me, please subscribe to the podcast companion newsletter. I'd really appreciate it. And because you've listened all the way to the end of my 10th episode, my friends at Stardust Adventure Coffee are offering you a 25% discount. It's a great coffee for a great journey. Simply use the unique code SAR10 at checkout. That's SAR10. The link is in the show notes. I'm Sean Lewitz. See you soon.